We now begin Maseches Beitza. This is Perik Aleph, Mishnah Aleph, one one. Now this Mishnah will have two separate cases, one totally unrelated to the other. What puts them together, and really in truth, in addition to these two cases, the case of the next Mishnah, is that in almost all circumstances, when there's a machlok between Beis Hillel and Beis Shammai, the halacha isn't just like Beis Hillel, but also Beis Hillel is also the more lenient of the opinions. Very rarely is it that Beis Hill is the strict opinion and Beis Shammai the, the lenient. However, there are three cases in all of Seder Moed in which Beis Hillel ends up becoming more strict than Beis Shammai, and they find themselves here in our first Kalvil Mishnayis of Meseches Beitza. So the first Mishnah here refers to the egg which is laid on Yom Tov that immediately follows a Shabbos, meaning Yom Tov falls out on a Sunday. And the Mishnah simply reads, let me read it to you, it's very short. It says, When you have an egg laid on Yom Tov, and it's the case again that it follows the Shabbos on that Sunday, Beishamai Omrim Te'achel, Beishamai hold the egg may be eaten, Ubeishil Omrim Lo Se'achel, Beishil says, no, it may not be eaten. That's the whole first part of the Mishnah, that's the, that's the din. Now, what's the case and what's driving this Mishnah? First of all, I have to confess to you, this Mishnah is, in fact, very complex um, when one brings the different shitas in the Gemara as well as the Roshonim. I'm going to navigate just with the Bartanur here in what is essentially, I hope, the simplest, most straightforward approach to get to the heart of the Mishnah and the primary issue, um, and we'll leave it to another day to address all the other approaches in the Gemara as well as um, quite a lot of discussion in the Roshonim of side points and details. But the main point here, when we talk about an egg laid on Yom Tov, more truth on Shabbos, what probably jumps straight into your mind is the category of muktza called nolad, something which has come into creation and first exists on Shabbos or Yom Tov. Don't let that happen. Don't do that. Don't go there. That's not the nub of the issue here. Our Mishnah is not about muktza and nolad. Even if that comes into play as a side issue, it's not the core issue. The core issue is something totally unrelated. It's the issue of hachana, of preparation for Shabbos or Yom Tov, which must be done um, prior to Shabbos Yom Tov, and which may not be done on Shabbos for Yom Tov or on Yom Tov for Shabbos. That would be prohibited, and in fact prohibited mid oraisa. So we're talking about lahalacha, a Doraisa issue, a Torah prohibition of preparing on Shabbos for Yom Tov, or vice versa. So the basic issue here is Beis Hillel holds that an egg laid on Yom Tov, which falls out on a Sunday, the day after Shabbos, may not be eaten by dint, by force of an Isra Doraisa. And there'll be some Durabanans around that. And Beis Shammai say, not true. There's no such Doraisa. What makes Beis Hillel say this Doraisa? Because Beis Hillel has a Pasuk. In fact, he has two Pasukim, two verses. Um, and Beis Hillel understands that these verses in combination, as according to how Rabbah and the Gemara understands them, makes this um, a double or, or two-faceted two Isra Doraisa. One Pasuk says, this is a Pasuk in Shmos, Perek Tezayin, Pasuk Hei, 
16.5. The context of the Pasuk is referring to the man, the food in the desert. And it says, Vahaya bayom hashishi, on the sixth day, meaning a regular non-Shabbos day prior to Shabbos, vehechinu es asher yaviu. That's when you shall prepare that which you bring in. So the time to prepare your food for Shabbos is on a Yom Chol, a regular day on a Friday, before Shabbos comes in. That's one Pasuk. There's a second Pasuk in Pasuk Chav Gimel, verse 23 of the same chapter, which says, Eisasher tofu eifu, whatever you have to bake, you will bake. Vesasher tevashlu bashelu, that which you have to cook, you will cook on that day which precedes Shabbos. Now, but still understand that since you have two separate psukim, which seem to be saying the same requirement of food preparations occur prior to Shabbos on the Friday, the whole day, that it, there's two separate facets to that requirement, midoraisa. One is that not only may one is that you may not do your food preparation on Shabbos proper for Yom Tov or on Yom Tov for Shabbos, but rather you have to do your preparations for Shabbos prior to Shabbos on a Yom Chol, a regular day of the week, not Yom Tov. But that is just one of the Tzpsukim. The second Pasuk, since it can't be telling the same thing again, is telling you not only that if you're doing human baking or human cooking, the preparation must occur on a Yom Chol, a regular day prior to Shabbos or Yom Tov, but also that even hachana bidei shamayim, preparations that occur, occur through natural processes, literally preparations done through the hands of heaven, but natural processes, those also can't be done, those natural processes can't occur, according to Beis Hillel, on a Shabbos on behalf of a subsequent, the next day being a Yom Tov, nor could they occur on a Yom Tov if the next day is a Shabbos. And that will make it Asr Doraisa. And now since, as Rabbi explains in the Gemara, the time it takes to prepare an egg inside a chicken is so much lasts from already the day before. Already the day before the egg is laid, already it's been formed inside the chicken. Maybe not the shell on the outside, but certainly the egg on the inside has been already is there. So by the egg being, I'll call it manufactured, being made inside the chicken on the day before, Yom Tov, if the day before Yom Tov is a Shabbos, that means that at least Bidei Shemaim, through the hands of heaven, you have food being prepared in the egg-making factory called the chicken on Shabbos for the next day, Yom Tov. And that's forbidden. Beishame holds no, that isn't prohibited. Hachana Bidei Shemaim, done from before Yom Tov, on a Shabbos is not prohibited, but Beis Hill will say, yes, it is prohibited. That's the core issue, and that's like the main takeaway of the Mishnah. Now, as far as the Muktza issue goes, so first of all, the case has to be, there may be Muktza issue here, there may be multiple Muktza potential issues here, but first of all, the case has to be one in which the chicken which laid this egg was a designated chicken for food, for consumption. You're, you're potentially going to eat that chicken. And that being the case, since one is, yes, permitted to slaughter a chicken on Yom Tov, so if before Yom Tov comes in, he already says, that's my chicken for Shechel and Yom Tov, that makes the chicken not be a Muktza chicken. And the egg, being a part of the chicken, 
is not mukta in as much as the chicken is not mukta. Assuming it's assuming it's food and edible, it's not mukta at all. Now, the problem is perhaps if the egg can't be eaten because it's forbidden, okay, so then maybe you buy the buy, it becomes mukta because it's not food. But that's just a side point. Essentially, it's not a mukta issue at all. And that's the case of our Mishnah here, where you have a chicken that was designated ahead of time for consumption. That's clear, says the Gemara, because otherwise, we would, if we were talking about the mukta issue, we'd have the chicken being mukta as much as the egg. That's what we're talking about here. That neither chicken nor egg are mukta per se, at least not, that's not the essential issue. It's just a question of hachana bidei shamaim. Beis Hill will say, that is a problem, and therefore it'd be us derised to eat such an egg laid on the Sunday, which is Yom Tov, because the preceding day is Shabbos, and Beis Base Hill says it's a problem, and Base Shammai says not a problem. The same would go on the other way around. If Yom Tov was the day before Shabbos, because again you'd have Hachana happening on Yom Tov for Shabbos, equally being forbidden, it's just that we don't go there with the, with the Gemara in the case of the Mishnah, because since on you can't normally, you wouldn't normally eat a raw egg, so eggs laid on Shabbos anyway is sort of out of bounds because who eats raw eggs, so they kind of, it's nice to become mukta, or you'd have to sort of suck up the juice of the egg, and it's a raw state, which is not, not a thing. Presumably. So that's where we go with the Yom Tov after Shabbos scenario. Now the truth is, as the as the, as the Bartonur explains, the Halach is going to be like Beis Hillel, and it's going to actually apply not only if Yom Tov falls on a Sunday, but if Yom Tov falls on any day of the week, an egg laid on that Yom Tov is going to be considered to be out of bounds, forbidden to be eaten. But that's Madurabanan. It's a Madurabanan, lest one come to ultimately eat eggs laid on Yom Tov that comes out on a Sunday. Since people, if people eat newly laid eggs on Yom Tov on Tuesdays, that are, you know, if, if Yom Tov falls on a Tuesday, so then they'll come to eat it another year on a Sunday, and therefore the rabbi said, no, we're simply not eating eggs that are laid on Yom Tov, lest someone to violate the Israel of eating an egg laid on a Yom Tov that came out on the day immediately after Shabbos. Um, the only one exception to this would be um, just want to make it clear, is in Chutzla Arts, when you have two days of Yom Tov back-to-back, leaving Rosh Hashanah out of things, but the other uh, the other five days of, of Yom Tov in the year where there's a Yom Tov Shein Hashal Galios, you have a second day of Yom Tov. So since only one of those days are really Yom Tov Medorais and the second is the Rabbanan, you have a, like a Mamanashach, you have like however you look at it, at least one of the two days was a Yom Chol Medoraisa, and therefore the second day when the egg is around and laid, for sure it's going to be it's going to be okay because either today was Yom Chol Medoraisa or yesterday was Yom Chol Medoraisa, and therefore it's going to be okay, says the Bartonor, um, on the second day of Yom Tov Shalgalios. But normally Yom Tov laid on the first day of, neg, excuse me, laid on the first day of Yom Tov, Yom Tov will be forbidden under all circumstances, whether Doraisa directly after Shabbos um, or Durban any other day of the week. That's the first case of the Mishnah. The second case of the Mishnah has nothing to do with, you know, our Masechta really. It belongs and truth, back in Meseches Pesachim. It just is set forth here because it's another case where you have the halacha, um, not just being like Beis Hillel, but being like Beis Hillel, L'Chumra, in a strict approach. So again, I'll read you the words of the Mishnah, they're very simple, and then I'll explain what's going on over here. The Mishnah says, O Beis Hillel Omrim, Beis Hillel also, oh, excuse me, Beis Shame, I'm sorry, Beis Shame Omrim, Beis Shame Hold, Soor, Bekazayas, Vechamets, Bekakoseves. The threshold for liability when it comes to Soor, which I'll define in a moment, is a Kazayas, an olive's amount. But for Chametz, it's a Koseves. Koseves is the size of a date. And Basil will say, no, Basil Omrim, Zev, Zev, Bekazayas. Basil will say, 
In both cases, the threshold is a kazais, and all is mount, both for sa'or and for chametz. So what are we talking about over here? We are not, first let me define the terms. Sa'or is sourdough. It's a leavening agent. Sometimes sa'or is translated as yeast. That's terrible. Yeast is not forbidden on Pesach at all. The yeast you buy, like a yeast cube you buy in the, from the refrigerated section inside the supermarket, it's not chametz. You can have it in your refrigerator all of Pesach, no problem. But in the time of Chazal, you couldn't buy yeast from the grocery store in the refrigerator. Where'd you get your yeast from to ferment and cause your dough to rise? You got it from yesterday's dough. You set aside a piece of the dough from yesterday's bread. You leave it out for the next day. And after a whole day, it's, you know, it's begun to ferment severely and it's become what I'll call sourdough, right? And then you make your new sourdough bread using not just today's batch of dough, but you introduce the yesterday's piece of sourdough to make the whole batch of dough rise and this time. So the sourdough is the source of your yeast. But the point is that the sourdough, of course, is very over-leavened bread. And that means that there are going to be two categories of foods which are prohibited on Pesach. One's called chametz. That's edible food, which is made out of one of the five grains, wheat, barley, oats, spelt, and rye. The flour is mixed with water, left to rise. That's leavened. It's chametz is forbidden. But it's edible. If you leave something like that to the point where it's no longer edible, it's not food anymore, but it's still useful as a leavening agent to ferment your new dough, that's called sa'or. And that sa'or, that sourdough, is also prohibited on Pesach. Now, prohibited for what? There are two separate things we're going to consider. There's two separate... uh, I'm oversimplifying for a second here. There's two separate categories... One is the prohibition of eating, and another is the prohibition of possession. The truth is that possession actually comprises two separate lavin, bal and bal but I'm against that right now. You simply, can you can neither eat nor even possess chametz, two separate prohibitions, and similarly, you can neither eat nor possess soor leaven. Now, everyone's going to agree, Basil and Basham will agree, that the prohibition of eating sa'or or eating chametz, the threshold for culpability, meaning lashes, or it's worth that's even karas and lashes, is a kazais, an olive's volume. And that's because the definition of achila, of eating in the Torah, is to consume an olive's amount of food in a specific amount of time. So every time you have a prohibition of eating, all the provisions of the Torah that revolve around eating always will include eating a kazayas amount of food. Whenever you have other things, like for example on Yom Kippur, we talk about, we're back to the kosevis, the date size. When you talk about uh, on Shabbos carrying, we talk about a gregaris. That's because we're not talking about eating. In the case of Yom Kippur, the problem is um, inui, of like affliction and, and, and you know, assuaging your hunger. And that requires perhaps more than just eating alone, more than a kazayas. Similarly on Shabbos, we talk about the threshold of, of how much is significant to carry. That's because while an act of eating might simply be eating one kazayas, but it's not significant the amount of food until you have a larger piece of food, like a dried fig of grugaris. Okay. In any case, so that's not a machlokas, and that's not our mission's case at all. Our mission wants to talk about the prohibition of possession. Bal-yirai, bal and Bal the prohibition against possessing chametz and possessing sa'or, is repeated in, ra- in a rather uh, 
ostensibly uh, superfluous, you know, repetitious way. The pasuk says, reading now here in in, in, the, in Shmos Perkyud Gimel, pasuk Zayin, it says, "Lo yirelacha chametz, v'layirelacha saor b'chol gvulecha." You may not, I'll translate loosely here, see or loosely possess chametz, and you may not possess saor sourdough in your boundaries. So, the fact that we have a double identification of two separate things with that sort of repetitious language, and actually it's even more repetitious than that. So, there's another pasuk that says, Shivas yam saor etc. But the point is, what I said before is enough, that according to Beis Hillel, that tells you that there are two separate shiurim, two separate thresholds regarding balyirah, possession. And since chametz is in a way the food that you eat is in a way like less intense, less concentrated, if you will, than saor, because saor, a leavening agent, you know, you just throw a little bit and it works. For for chametz, it's like less intense, it's, you know, it's food. So, Beis Hill hold that when it comes to possession, saor, the threshold is a kazayas, whereas chametz proper, it's a little larger, it's a kosevis, the next kosevis, the dates volume, it's like the next um incremental step up in terms of the volumes of the Torah. Halach will be like Beis Hillel, that, that, I'm sorry, I said that terribly. I, I'm sorry, I apologize. Beis Shammai, Beis Shammai, who are, Beis Shammai, who are lenient here, I apologize, it's terrible what I did. Beis Shammai, who are lenient, say that they're two separate shiurim, and therefore the chametz, which is less intense, the threshold for ownership is more lenient because it's less intense, so it goes up to Kosevis, whereas Beisham I hold that uh, when it comes to um, possession of the more intense ore, it's just a smaller Kazayas. And Beisham will say, no, they're equal. The, the, you learn from the Shi'urim, the amounts when it, of consumption, of eating, equally to possession, therefore both um, Sa'or and Chametz, the threshold for Possession is one kazayas. Now, threshold for what? This is a, a, this actually Machlokas Roshonim. If we're talking about threshold for culpability, some learn, yes. Some learn that you are not allowed to own even less than a kazayas, like Basil of either Sa'or or Chametz. But if you do own less than a kazayas, while well, it's prohibited by the Torah, because we say a chatzi shears aser medoraya, so you don't have, have even, the Torah says you can't, own it, you can't even, you know, even on less than the threshold amount, but you won't be culpable to punishment of lashes. Many, or perhaps most other Roshonim say no, that can't be the shot here, because for a technical reason, since the owning of chametz is called the lav hanitik la'aseh, it's a prohibition which is remedied by a mitzvah ase, a positive commandment, there's a positive commandment to, to do beer, to get rid of your chametz that you own, so since if one did own it, and since there's a remedy with a positive commandment of destroying the chametz, so and so or, so therefore there's never going to be lashes. There's never lashes for a love and a tikla, say. And that being the case, according to those who are shown them, the threshold we're talking about here is simply the threshold for the Torah's prohibition, that owning, possessing less than a kazayas of chametz or so'or is not a problem. The problem is once you hit the threshold of a kazayas, both for chametz or so'or, and that will be essentially the halacha, Lamaisa.